Amen. We're going to go to the word of the Lord. Amen. I'd like to direct your attention this morning to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Amen. Exodus chapter 14. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I am thankful today in days like this here in the Central Valley for air conditioning. Amen. People like Brother Nathan that work in HVAC are heroes. Amen. We don't know where we'd be without the HVAC people. Amen. Blessing the, the world, keeping the air conditioning going. Amen. And so we're thankful. Amen. For air conditioning. I think it might be 108 today or 100. Some, uh, some ungodly number. Amen. I think for a few weeks out of the summer, the Lord stops loving this area for some reason. Let's the temperature climb, but uh, Brother Mike's got Arizona weather to brag yeah. about, so he, he's going to get, he's going to take a 120 degree weather. Yeah, it's going to be 128. 128. See, you don't want to go to Arizona. You want to move right here where it's a cool 108 today. <laughs> Amen. I remember dating my wife and always telling her when I lived out here and she was in the uh, city of San Jose, you know, it's not that bad. Out here, it's not that bad. <laughs> and then once you move to the Bay Area and try and come out here, it's so hot. But uh, we're we're thankful, Amen. That no matter where we are, if we're in the will of God, Amen. Well, God's going to bless us and keep us. Exodus chapter fourteen, verse number twenty-one. It says, "And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night." And made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Amen. We're reading about the Lord parting the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst, uh, to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And if you would, amen, just uh, turn over a few more pages to the book of Joshua. Amen. Joshua chapter 4. Amen. The book of Joshua chapter number 4 and verse number 10. It says, For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan, 
until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua. And the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over that the ark of the Lord passed over. And the priests in the presence of the people and the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them about 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua saying command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. And Joshua, there, Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And the last verse, And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And I want to just preach for a few moments if the Lord will help me. On this title, Two Necessary Crossings. Two Necessary Crossings. God, we come before you in this place. We're thankful today, God, for your presence that we feel here today. We're thankful, Lord, for the word of the Lord that has been magnified. God, above your name, God, we're thankful for the word that brings life and that brings light. God, thy word is perfect, God. The law of the Lord is perfect in light in the eyes. And we pray today, God, that you would speak to every single one of us today, God. We will not fail to give you the glory and the honor, Lord. We give you praise and worship in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. My title, Two Necessary Crossings. Two Necessary Crossings. Amen. In the book of Exodus, we first read about the people of God, how they crossed over the Red Sea. And it was uh, transitioning from slavery under the taskmaster of Egypt into the wilderness experience. And then as we read in the book of Joshua, chapter 4, we read about a different crossing that took place but at the not at the Red Sea but at the River Jordan and I want to compare and contrast these two and tell you today if you'll listen to me amen that both of these crossings are necessary for the people of God these are two necessary crossings amen for the church for the people of God let me talk for a few moments about the Red Sea crossing Amen. The command by God was given to Moses. Amen. As Moses led God's people out from Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's uh, cap- captivity of their lives, God gave the command to Moses to turn from their southeastern journey to encamp by the Red Sea. And this, uh, this, turn, of, uh, this turn of the story would set into motion a divine plan that would cause Pharaoh to think... Amen. As the Bible says, they are entangled and they are entangled in the land or they are perplexed by which way to go. Amen. The ploy with Israel as the bait, as God would set it up, would draw Pharaoh and his armies out from Egypt 
so that God could execute upon the Egyptian people the final act of judgment and establish His identity over Egypt, His identity over the people of God. And so the Bible tells us that Pharaoh steps out of Egypt, amen, his home base, if you will, with 600 chosen chariots. And furthermore, he gathers all the chariots that are in Egypt with captains over every one of them. And he also brings out a large contingency of the cavalry and the infantry. He brings out the horsemen. He brings out the, the foot soldiers. He brings out the military might of the, the most powerful force on the face of the earth at this time, which was Egypt. And the Bible says that God placed Moses and God placed the Hebrews right at the tip of the Red Sea with Pharaoh behind them in mountains on either side of them. And so that Pharaoh would see and, and take note, amen, and think that I'm going to recapture these slaves of mine. I'm going to bring them back into captivity Hallelujah. Never think for a moment today, amen, that because you made a choice to live for God, amen, that the devil's going to just sit back and say, well, I thought I had them. I'll leave them alone. The devil will keep trying to get after you. He won't let up, amen, until he's given his best shot at you. Amen. But the Bible says that Pharaoh, knowing these things, he pursued after God's people. And he caught Israel by the Red Sea, Amen. Now, as the Egyptian army is directly behind them, amen, the Red Sea is in front of them, and the mountains on either side of them, they begin to complain to Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Amen. But God speaks through to the man of God, and the man of God delivers a message to the people of God. And the message is this, amen, when God's people thought, amen, to give up, when God's people thought, amen, that all hope was lost and everything was over, the word of the Lord came to Moses and it was this word, stand still. Just stand still. In other words, stop your worrying. Stop your fretting. Amen. Stop worrying about Pharaoh. Stop worrying about everything else in your life. Stand still. And at this moment, I'm going to show you my salvation. Amen. The message changed. Amen. From stand still to eventually go forward. Amen. But never was the message of God turned back. Never was the message of God turned back to your Egyptian taskmasters. Because once God delivers His people, He wants to show them His power. He wants to deliver them. He wants to show them His promises are real. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So God's people, amen, at the command of Moses, begin to step out during this Red Sea crossing. And they begin to march towards the Red Sea. Amen, Sister Jean. I wonder if they thought uh, we're going to look like fools getting into the water. Amen. People are going to think Moses is going to drown us all. Amen. But as they stepped foot in the waters of the Red Sea, the Bible says, amen, that the waters began to roll back. Amen. They became a wall on either side of them. You can knock on the wall. It was that hard. Amen. God congealed it, as the Bible says in the King James, or He made it firm. It was a solid rock wall. Amen. That was water on the inside. Don't ask me to explain the physics on that one. Amen. But the water actually became thickened and firm 
Amen. And so the Bible tells us that then once that the people of God got through the Red Sea, God allowed Pharaoh's army to charge and to chase them into the water. And some of you know the story. Amen. But once they were all the way in the middle, God began, amen, to remove the chariot wheels. God began to discomfort, amen, the armies of the enemies of God's people. Hallelujah. The Bible tells it like this. The horse and the rider were buried beneath the sea. Amen. They were buried beneath the sea. Amen. And as Moses stood on the other side and Pharaoh's army was in the middle of the Red Sea, amen, the walls began to come down upon them and they were buried in the waters of the Red Sea as God brought a deliverance for His people in this period of time. Hallelujah. Let me tell somebody today under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God can deliver you from whatever troubles you. God can carry it. God can carry it. God can give you victory over your past. God can give you victory over the things that enslave you. If you'll follow the voice of the man of God, if you'll follow the moving of the Spirit, and never, ever, ever look back, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord today. Someone shout praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God began to deal with the horse and the rider. And we know from study of Scripture that uh, this experience in the Red Sea, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 1 through 2, it reads like this. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This passing through the Red Sea was a type of baptism. It signified to the reader, amen, that you can take, you can get into the water, amen. You can get into the water and your sins can follow you into the water, amen. Everything in your past, all of the shame, all the regret will get into the water with you. But when you are buried with Him in baptism, and when the name of Jesus is called over your life, everything in your past stays in the water. It does not come out of the water. Pharaoh's men, Pharaoh's horses, Pharaoh's chariots, they never, ever, ever got out of the water. They're still there to this day because it's buried with Him in baptism. And God wants to bury some old sins in your life today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, this crossing the Red Sea. Amen. That is the first point that I want to bring out to you today. This crossing the Red Sea, it represents a coming out of slavery. It represents a coming out of bondage to sin. It represents a transitioning from being servants to sin, servants to Pharaoh, servants to the old life, to now being servants of God. Once Pharaoh, amen, was dictated to them everything that they should do. Once the alcohol dictated to you how to live your life. Once it was the drugs that dictated to you how to live your life. Once it was your boyfriend, your girlfriend that dictated to you how to live your life. But when you cross into 
what to do. If you'll follow me, I'll lead you somewhere. But as long as you're in Egypt, honey, you're in bondage. You're in bondage. You're in bondage. Amen. Here, this preacher today, he must be baptized in the name of Jesus. Every one of you for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thankful to God that he set me free. He set me free. I still remember, amen, to the day, the night that I was struggling. I was falling headlong into sin. Amen. And I cried out to the Lord. God, you've got to save me. God, you've got to help me. God, you've got to deliver me. And God has redeemed my life. But the first crossing, amen, is the Red Sea experience. The first crossing is a coming into the kingdom of God. The first sea crossing at the Red Sea, it was, it was the initial sign, amen, of the Holy Ghost. It was a coming in, it was repentance, it was water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The first crossing represented coming out of slavery, coming out of bondage into a new kingdom. That's the first crossing, a necessary crossing. Everybody's going to cross the Red Sea experience. Everybody's going to go through the Red Sea. Amen. Everybody in the camp of the Hebrew people that followed Moses, they had to go through the Red Sea or they were never going to get where God wanted them to go. You can skirt baptism if you want, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You must be baptized. Maybe this message is for somebody on the outside of this building today listening. You must be water baptized by immersion in water in the name of Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is illegitimate. If that offends you, I'm sorry. But the word of the Lord states it must be in Jesus' name. It must be in Jesus' name. And it must be by immersion in water. Hallelujah. You've got to go through that Red Sea crossing. But the second point that I want to bring out, amen, from this message today. And I want to make the connection that there's a second crossing that has to happen in the lives of God's people. And this takes place in the book of Joshua chapter 4. Amen. As we read the account of Joshua Amen. The new leader over God's people leading the people of God into the promised land. Amen. The crossing of the river Jordan represents a leaving of the wilderness experience. A leaving of the manna behind. A leaving of the old. And then going into dominion. Going into promise. Going into the fulfillment of everything that God has in store for the people. But here's the background scenario of the river Jordan crossing. It is on the heels of the the spine out of the great city called Jericho by the harlot Rahab. Amen. Who was the insider spy for God's people. Amen. And from Shittim was the name of the city. From Shittim to to the city Jordan. And the command began to come out from the lips of Joshua. When ye see the ark of the covenant and the priests 
permanent. Then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Amen to me. The River Jordan crossing represents a coming out from a state of rebellion, a state of usurping authority. And now it is a following directly of the people of God towards the God that they serve. Because Joshua says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant and the priest, when you see the presence of God and the preacher preaching, amen, when you see the Spirit of God moving, you shall remove from your place and you shall go after it. Now I'm going to tell you today, in the second cause experience, God's people got to understand, it's not enough that I'm water baptized, feel the Holy Ghost, repent of my sins. Now when I cross the river Jordan, I've got to have an understanding that when I see God moving, when I see the preacher preaching, and God begins to move, it's my responsibility to come out from where I am and go after what God has. God, I want what you have. I'll follow after the things of God. I'll follow after with all of my heart. Hallelujah. Throughout Scripture, you can be seated. Throughout Scripture, the passage to greatness always involves or often involves the element of water. Throughout Scripture, the passage to greatness often involves the element of water. Why is water that chosen element? Because water is a biblical symbol of potential. Water is a biblical symbol of potential. Hallelujah, there's so much that you can do with water. Amen. But as long as water just sits in the bucket, it does nothing. It's just potential. Amen. You can, from the elements of water, you can have a sitting bucket like Brother Paul said earlier that just sits there and just catches mosquitoes. It is just, it just evaporates. Nothing happens. But you begin to move with that water. You begin to do things with that water. That water now can baptize somebody in Jesus' name. You can have hydroponics in place with water. Amen. You can have hydroelectric power with water. Amen. You can use that extinguisher. There's so much that you can do with water. God can make it hard as a wall like he did for the Red Sea. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 illustrates the biblical symbol of potential for water. It says God moved upon the face of the waters. And out of the chaos of potential form begins to appear as land. Amen. But first it was just water. It was potential. Amen. It was potential. Amen. As long as Sister Gina, the water sits in that baptismal, it's just potential. But you and I begin to work with God and allow God to work with us. And that water that sits in that baptismal can now see first baptized and sins washed away. It's potential. It's potential. It's potential. But you've got to, we've got to work with it. This definition comes to water. This defining or the act of bringing defining uh, definition to the water happens by two means according to Genesis 1 and verse 2. The number one thing that has to happen is the Spirit of God has to move upon the waters. There's got to be a movement of the Spirit of God for there to be anything creative come out from it. 
And the second thing that has to happen to water, amen, to get it to come into reality in its purest form of definition is there has to be the word of God spoken over it. Amen. God has to begin to speak over situations. Amen. You want to know how to get out of your chaos? You want to know how to get out from your wandering? You want to know how to realize your potential? Allow the Spirit of God to work in your life. Get in places of prayer. Get into the altar every time service is over. And preach from the preacher. Amen. Eat the Word of God. Devour it. Consume it. Read it. Memorize it. Study it. Meditate upon it. Let the preached Word of God work in your life. Hallelujah. This is the pattern for all creative action. Amen. That brings form out of chaos. Amen. Is there has to be the Spirit and the Word of God. Hallelujah. God wants to work in somebody's life here today. God wants to give you a spiritual significance in your life. Hallelujah. Water is significant in the individual spiritual formation of virtually every major Bible character. Just to name a couple, John the Baptist, was he baptized as a point of change in individuals' lives. Jesus' ministry was announced at the river with John. Amen. At the water, amen, it represented a crossing over. It represented this crossing from one dimension to another dimension. Amen. In the Red Sea, it represented from slavery to now being free. Amen. It represented Jordan going from just being free to now being folks that had dominion and power with God and realized the promises of God. And Jesus' ministry at the river with John. Amen. There was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It was the anointing of God. Amen. That took place. And it set apart something that was about to happen in his life from that moment going forward. Later in Jesus' ministry, as his first miracle was turning what? Water into wine. He worked with the thing that had the most potential. And he created something out from it. Amen. You want to allow. Amen. You want to see God do something great in your life. Just be like water. And say, God, whatever you've got for me. Whatever you want to do in my life. Bend me. Twist me. God, squeeze me. Whatever you've got to do. But let the potential be realized in my life. Let the potential be realized in my life. It's impossible for you and I to grasp the significance, the full significance of this moment at the crossing of the River Jordan without considering all that the Israelites, the Hebrews, had been through up to that point. A two-week flight from Egypt turned into a 40-year multi-generational saga. You say, what does that look like? Amen. You know what it looked like for a few people last year in 2020? It looked like a a few people getting onto a cruise ship during the month of March last year and sailing out to a beautiful vacation destination and in the middle of the sea beginning to find out somebody had COVID, this new mysterious disease 
And now they have to go from port to port till nobody would accept them until finally they could come to the port of Oakland here. Amen. But it was weeks that turned into a month or two months. I forget the exact time frame. It was a vacation, if you will. This exciting moment where now we're free from Egypt. 20 years later, Sister Gutierrez, I'm still in the wilderness. Oh, man. I was so excited when I first started out, but man, it's gotten hard. And the two-week vacation, if you will, for the people of God turned into 40 years with generations passing in holes in the ground because of rebellion. And and the, the child that's now 40, 45 years of age still wearing five-year-old sandals or sandals made for a five-year-old. But now they fit him because he was 45. The clothes that they wore, amen, they grew with them. Some, it sounds wonderful for some of the ladies, as I heard one preacher say, it's not so wonderful because we got, they got to keep different purses and different outfits and different shoes. You, you just got one pair of shoes. You got one purse. You just got one outfit and it lasts you for 40 years. Amen. You try and keep the same outfit for 40 years and see how you feel. It was a long, hard experience for God's people. Amen. They were stuck. They felt stuck. Wilderness are that way. They cause you to feel stuck in motion. Stuck. Going round and round and round and round. And this is where some people are today in the house of God. They're in a wilderness experience. They celebrate and they jump and they dance and they worship and say, we've been coming, we've come out from Egypt. We've been delivered from Pharaoh. We've been delivered from Pharaoh's army. But we're in a wilderness. And we're going round and round. And we haven't realized everything that God has for us. And we've heard about promises, but we man, we're just that's just been the same way for so long. Been the same way for so long. Hallelujah. For Israel in the Old Testament, this was a literal wilderness of heat, of hunger, and of exhaustion. Amen. Perhaps you and I can't fully relate to what it's like to be stuck in a literal desert, in a little desert, unless we've experienced a hike without sunscreen or without water. It's scary. I experienced just a small tidbit of what that's like a few weeks ago. I was I, I traveled up the road to the city of Colfax, past Sacramento, up to 80, and I, I found this really cool trail called Stevens Trail. If you ever get the, the gusto, you should try it one day, but be prepared. This trail, Stevens, Stevens Trail. Uh, it starts in Colfax, and it starts at the top, which is very, very deceptive. If a trail ever starts at the top and goes down, you're in trouble. Just that's something I learned. You know, when you're when you're hiking, you're thinking of all the different lessons you can learn. And I was thinking, yeah, if you just stick with it, and then that one's not going to work. I thought, you know what? The, the deceptive thing about this hike is you're going down. So when you're going down, you go really far because it's easy to go down. So four miles down. It's not too bad. And I remember calling my brother. He called me actually at the, as I started the trail. And I said, man, it's a beautiful trail. It's shade everywhere. And it's, 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 it's lovely. I was taking pictures. I was happy and everything. And then he said, how, many, how much water do you have? How much you know, liquids do you have? I said, well, I got this one gator. But I, I ate a lot. I drank a lot right before I went on the hike. So I'm good. I promise you I'm good. 
I got one good gate right here. He said, oh, you should turn back. So I already started. I can't turn back now. So I, here I am. I'm going down the trail. I'm thinking, this is beautiful. I'm sending pictures to Brother Nathan until my service runs out on my cell phone. And I'm, I'm just like, wow, this is glorious, beautiful, amazing. <clears throat> I get down to the, the bottom. I'm thinking after like, you know, four, almost four and a half miles, it felt like going downhill. You kind of know where I'm going. <clears throat> four and a half miles downhill. Got to the bottom and beautiful river flowing through. Crystal clear water. Mountain water. Cool, crisp, refreshing. Wonderful. Sending more pictures if I could. <clears throat> Having a great time. I'm thinking, man, it's supposed to be 100 today. I should probably head back before it's too late. <clears throat> I start back up the trail and my feet start hurting. To, you, you, you're going uphill now that you've already spent all your energy going down, now you're going to try and go uphill. And I'm going up, up this, up, back up the, the trail. And I'm two miles up. I'm thinking, this kind of looks familiar. I think I'm in the right spot. Uh, maybe I should go here. And you're starting to question things. And, and then <clears throat> I'll be 40 in, in a few days. And, and I started falling. <clears throat> I started tripping over rocks. I'm thinking, this is not good by myself. And I had, fortunately, I had saved all of my Gatorade and I hadn't drank it. But then on the way back up, it was getting hot. So I was drinking the Gatorade thinking, okay, I'm going to conserve it. I think I'll finish it right when I get to the top. And then I finished the Gatorade. And I find out I'm halfway up the trail. And it's getting hotter. And, I, and I'm thinking, man, this is not good. I sat down a few times. My, my walk literally... If, if I could model my walk, my walk, when I came down the trail, it was like this. On my way up the trail, it was like this. That's my walk. And then slowing down and walking some more. My feet were hurting. I was getting parched. And, and I was starting to feel a little faint. Starting to feel like, oh, it's not good. It's not good. I got to keep going. What, no matter what happens, I have to keep going. Amen. And, and you begin to feel exhausted. And then I thought, I've reached the top. Thank God. To realize it's another mile up. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. you got to help me. I started, I literally started this day praying, God, keep me from all harm. Keep me from distress. Keep me from injury. I, I ran across rattlesnakes on this trail. I was, there's, it was just, I was thankful to be alive, to, to make it out of that trail alive. It was fun. I would probably do it again, as crazy as that sounds. But I would be more prepared and be more ready. Because one, on one spot of the trail, there was a rousing on the side, literally like a foot away, just hanging out. And they're, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And I, I ran through another spot of the trail, and I remember hearing, it sounded like power lines going off. <clears throat> Some of you that know have wilderness experience know what that is. It's not a power line with a wild little cord going off. It's rattlesnakes. And there was like a ton of them. Just, just I was like, this is weird. What's this sound? Looking, and I realized that I started running. I'm not hanging out with the rattlesnake uh, family today. So, in spite of all that, you start to. I started to wonder, man, this is going to get serious. If 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 I don't get out of here, I got to keep moving, whatever it takes. And and uh, you know, I got to the, uh, the top, thank the Lord, and got to my car and just. Uh, I I just was happy to be at my car and get an air conditioning, and I went to the first uh, quick stop or. Uh, gas station that I found like a, a few blocks from the where my car was parked and I went inside and I was like about to pass out and I said man I've just got off Stevens trail 
And man, I need some Gatorade. I need something. I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to pass out. He said, he said, there's been like four or five this past year that have been medevaced out of there. You have to be very careful. So many people think it's not that bad, not that big a deal. You can go down there and you'll be fine. People that come from the Bay Area said, I don't know if that's just the stigma. He said, people come to the Bay Area and think everything's going to be great and it's going to be wonderful. They get out there and they, they can't make it out. I, I went hiking just again last week and it was only a mile trail. And there was a lady about, I don't know, 50 years old that went down this trail with us. Or I saw her going on the trail on my way back up. I saw her sitting down with her son next to her. And I said, you okay? He said, she needs some rest. I said, why don't you call an ambulance? You know, people don't realize yeah. that wilderness can, can grab a hold of you. Yes. It can keep you a lot longer. And this wilderness experience for God's people probably had them thinking, I don't know if I'll ever make it out of this wilderness experience. I don't know if I'm ever going to escape what I'm going through right now. Somebody here today, under the sound of my voice, may very well be thinking that. I don't know if I'm going to escape the wilderness experience in my life. I don't know if I'm going to make it out from this. This might be the thing that takes me out. This might be the one experience that keeps me bound to wilderness Wandering for the rest of my life. I pray to God that I get out. But one thing you've got to do to get out of the wilderness. Is you've got to keep going forward. You've got to keep marching forward. You've got to keep going forward. And you can never give up. Amen. You've got to follow the spirit of God. You've got to follow the voice of God. In your life and in this specific story in Joshua chapter 4, the only way they got out of the wilderness, they got out of wilderness wanderings, was to say, where is the presence of God? And what is the preacher saying to my life? And if I want to get out of wilderness wanderings, I've got to follow to follow. I've got to get in to the presence of God and allow the preacher to preach me out from wilderness wanderings into my promised land. Would you lift your hands to the Lord in this place? Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands and lift your voice and would you cry out to Him today? God, we reach out to You. We reach out to you today. God, you brought me through the Red Sea. You brought me out of Egypt. But the only way I get to the promised land is to have the second necessary crossing in my life. I've got to cross the River Jordan. It was equally or more important. Amen. Equally as important as the first but equally necessary. There's got to be a second crossing in the church. There's got to be a second going over in the life of God's people. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody's got to tell themselves, amen, we're going to follow the presence of God. We're going to follow this man of God. We're going to allow him to lead us into promise. And fulfillment. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Jordan River plays an important role in the Old Testament as the border of the land that God gives to the Israelites. It was in the River Jordan that Naaman dipped seven times to heal his leprosy. It was a mark of delineation in Naaman's life. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Amen. By John the Baptist. It was a mark of delineation. Amen. Crossing the Jordan River. It represents breakthrough from wilderness wanderings into the land of promise. It represents dominion. It represents discovery of giftings. It represents realizing a potential, a crossing into the promised land through the river Jordan. Hallelujah. The Jordan River has always been a river of defining, defining who you are, who I am, who we will be. It defines who a person is. The Jordan River, let me hurry along to a close. The Jordan River is a 156 mile long river that flows north to south from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. It lies on the eastern border of the modern day Israel and the western borders of both Syria and Jordan. And because of its great length and central location, the Jordan River is mentioned in the Bible over 185 times. Amen. The Jordan River is mentioned indirectly in Genesis chapter 13, where Lot and Abraham are dividing up the land to which God had led them. The Bible says that Abraham allowed Lot to choose his first, uh, to choose his share first, and Lot chose the Jordan Valley. He chose the Jordan Valley, which was lush and well watered due to the River Jordan, verse 10. This was a pivotal moment as it not only established that Lot's character was selfish, but also directed Lot toward this evil city of Sodom and Gomorrah, which God later destroyed. You see, the River Jordan, it defines who you are. Are you going to stay in your wilderness or are you going to follow the voice of God and the presence of God into realizing your potential? Hallelujah. Let me tell you today, you cannot get to the promised land without a man of God preaching, without the Spirit of God working. You've got to have the Spirit and the Word and a preacher, amen, that leads you into the promised land. And you've got to remove from your place, as Joshua told the people, and you've got to go after it. Go after it. Go after it. Amen. The River Jordan, the second crossing, it defines. Are you going to be characterized? Are you going to be known for your wilderness life the rest of your life? Or are you going to be one that crosses over and says, God, I want everything that you have for me. I'm going to show up to church. Amen. Every time the church doors are open, I'm going to show up early for church. I'm going to get involved in the Bible study. I'm going to get involved in a ministry. I'm going to realize some potential. I'm going to have a daily prayer life. I'm going to follow the leading of the Spirit. I'm going to walk through open doors and I'll allow the 
Spirit of God to bring about creative expression in my life. Stand with me today as the music begins to play. Hallelujah. God, amen, has sent me here today to tell you that there are two necessary crossings in every one of our lives. If you ever want to leave Egypt, you first got to get through the Red Sea experience. You've got to be baptized. You've got to be repented. You've got to turn your back on the old life. And then for those, amen, that have gone through the Red Sea, if you ever want to see the fulfillment of God's promises upon your life, if you ever want to reach the potential that God has for you, you've got to cross the Jordan River. You ever gotten to the water? First thing you do, you're going to get in the water. Phone's got to go. Take out my wallet. Take out my keys. Take out my watch. It's just me. If you want God's potential in your life, you got to say, God, forget this stuff. Hold on to this nonsense, God. God, hold on to this trivial stuff. God, I'm going to start dressing the way you want me to dress. Listen to the music you want me to listen to. I'm going to start talking the way you want me to talk, God. I'm going to start showing up, God. I'm fixing to get in the water potential that God has for me. So I'm going to lay aside every weight and the sins that easily beset me. Amen. Because getting into the water, you've got to let go of some things. You've got to say, God, take this. Take that. I forget about my prerogative and how I grew up. If this is what the preacher said, if this is what the Word of God says, I'm letting go of all the things that I've held on to. I'm getting to the water potential that you might bring about my full potential in my life. Because in the water is potential. But when I have to, all I got to do is I got to let the Word of God work in my life. Let the Spirit of God work in my life. Let the music play a little bit louder, Brother Nathan. Amen. I, I, this altar is open today. I don't know who's here today that needs this, but I'm opening this altar right now, the Holy Ghost. If you need, amen, you recognize your needs in God. This message is for me today. God, I've I crossed the Red Sea experience. I've been initiated into the kingdom. But now, God, i got to cross a Jordan River. I've got to go to my potential in God. I've got to get to the promises. I will let go of things. I will follow the Spirit. I'll heed the preacher. I'll let the Word of God work in my life. Come on, somebody reach out to Him this morning. Come on, let the Holy Ghost work right now.